Every aspect of your e-commerce business impacts customer experience. From advertising and packaging, to product functionality, website usability, and even reliability. Your long-term growth and profitability will hinge on your ability to deliver the best experience for your buyers. And this podcast will show you how. Tune in monthly for actionable and insightful discussions with the brightest minds at the intersection of e-commerce and customer experience. Welcome to the e-commerce customer experience podcast presented by Digital Genius. I'm your host, Chris Kellner. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce customer experience podcast. Last time around, we had Thomas Staude sharing AirUp's fantastic growth story. Today, I'm lucky to have Sham Aziz with us today. Sham is currently the head of customer service at Selfridges. For those that don't know, Selfridges has been a leading London retail destination and UFTA landmark for over a century, challenging the rules of retail from day one. Sham has over 20 years of experience in designing, building, and delivering optimal contact center target operating models to drive flawless customer experience. Sham previously worked as the head of service operations at Virtue, the global sales and customer care operations manager at Netaporte, customer service director at Auction Technology Group, and the customer service director at Fab.com. Welcome, Sham. Before anything else, can you tell our audience a little bit more about what you do? Sure. Thanks for having me, Chris. My name is Sham, head of customer service, as you said. Um, and generally, that involves trying to provide an amazing service to customers in an industry that typically is at the end of most funnels or, or perhaps sometimes at the beginning, which is where we'd like to play when it comes to any service interaction with customers. That was terrible, actually. That sounded too much textbook. No, don't worry. Don't worry. That was spot on. Now we know what you do. <laughs> Perfect. So, Shan, tell us, how did you start your journey working in CX? I was at college doing a GMVQ in IT. So to some people, that will mean nothing. And to others, it will stir memories about having careers interviews for GMVQs. I don't even know. And I enjoyed some parts of that course, but I think life took over and I wanted to start earning money. And so I left college and one of the easier places to get a job was a contact center. And I guess high volume recruitment, custom hours spread over 24 hours a day just suited my lifestyle at that time. So you could say by accident, I fell into customer service, working for a high street retail bank. And I then started to progress throughout the contact center into team leader roles, training roles, and other roles. And fast forward here 20 years later. That's very cool. And obviously, you've worked for quite a few amazing brands and retailers already. You know, How have you seen the, the industry unfold? It's changed in so many different ways. And in some ways, it hasn't changed. But I think the spotlight is being shone. So I'll give you two examples. One around diversity. So most of the contact centers I've worked in are some of the, the most diverse places. And that's not just to do with the types of work within the contact center, the multiple languages, the open plan nature of the office, to workforces. Um, so diversity... I remember going all the way back when I first started my career. Today, there's a huge lens on diversity. So if anything, contact centers have been doing it for the last 20 plus years. 
And so whilst that hasn't changed much, it's now more prevalent and contact centers a great place to go and think about how to do diversity well. A second example would be technology. So when I first used to work in the contact center, we used to take phone calls. We weren't quite working on email. It was early on. Um, however, we used to receive faxes and customers would ask for their bank balance as an example. And so today, there's all kinds of technology in place. And it's been interesting to see technology come into the industry, in some cases, make for better customer experiences. And in other cases, it's just confused things. But I, I guess we'll figure that out as we go along. Nice. I think that us a couple of good points to initially dig into. So I'd like to start first on kind of the person, right? A contact center ultimately is a sum of their people. And some, and generally a lot of people, you know, what would you, could you describe, you know, the qualities of a good customer service agent? I think broadly speaking, with high volume recruitment within contact centers, without sort of trying to play it down, I think the bar to get in isn't that high. And what I mean by that is, provided you're not punching somebody in the interview, you're likely to get a go in a contact center. And I would say almost that, Almost everybody you speak to today has either worked in a contact center or at least knows somebody who has. It's quite a, a common role that, that people do. Once you sort of get past the initial stage, there's two buckets mostly that people fall in. Either they have customer service experience already, be that from face-to-face in retail or in another role, and they've moved to a different kind of call center, or sometimes product specialists. So somebody that is good at, let's say, fashion, as an example, is a sneaker expert or somebody that has been building PCs, as an example, who then moves on to work in a call center providing technical support. So you've got that product knowledge expert who comes in and then can be trained on how to use the phone, reply to emails, use social, add notes to an account, for example. And how would you say, would you, you know, the strategy of a, kind of a good CX leader you know, affects agents? I guess it depends on how far you sit within the transactional day-to-day side of running a contact center. All good leaders will try and align their contact center to their business strategy and to their vision and mission, and then help break that down or translate that down in a way that advisors can understand and see the role that they are playing. What you don't want to do is end up getting caught in trying to answer 100 calls or 100 emails and not truly understand the why or the what it is that you're doing there. And so I think being able to translate the business vision, mission, strategy in a way that is digestible for an advisor can be great. And then just having a great working environment with the right tools so that they can drive a great customer experience means they'll want to be there. And then if people want to be at work, well, then that's when you start to tick off boxes like well-being, diversity, mental health awareness and, and these other things. And how do you create a kind of a career for a, I guess, a customer service agent? So ultimately, you know, they stay with you for many years. It's quite deep today uh, in terms of a career path than it used to be when I first started. A lot of people would come into a contact center, get one or two years under their belt and then move on into the career of their choice. And sometimes that could be a whole other industry or division. And in other cases, people would stay and they would work their way up through the contact center. And whether that's then moving into team leadership, into management, into resource planning, over into training, there's so many wide 
range of roles available within a contact centre. I think you can get the best of both worlds by bringing people in who are able to interact with customers and build that knowledge of the business they're in uh, before they then either grow within the contact centre or move to another part of your business or if they go on elsewhere to work elsewhere in other divisions, companies, uh, you will have helped them gain a good grounding of what it feels like to deal with a customer. I always sort of refer back to Starbucks. Their induction model, regardless of where you work within the business, will involve spending a day as a barista and making a coffee. And I think that's a great way to sort of be in touch with, with, with customers and a contact center can offer that too. No, that's really interesting. I think on this podcast and previous episodes, we've, we've kind of had both views from the how do you make CX a priority by ultimately bringing your executive into the contact center and really letting them hear the voice of the customer? And now the other end of the spectrum, how do you create a career for an agent? I think we work with quite a lot of young growing brands where we see this as the entry point where they might start as an agent, then become the, the team lead, then the manager, and then actually you know, they often have a path into a into a leadership role inside an organization where they've ultimately heard the voice of the customer. So it can really help drive the shit strategy on on acquiring customers or retaining customers or or driving business growth. Yeah, absolutely. And Sham, you mentioned diversity, you mentioned technology, which is obviously a critical piece to a whole kind of CX strategy. You know, how do you balance the role of the human with the role of technology? I mean, you could go really extreme if you wanted. I'm sure we're not far away from the days where there'll be a contact center that's 100% technology and 0% people. It's probably not one that I'll build. And would I interact with it? Maybe I wouldn't even know that I was interacting with such a place. Who knows? Technology in that way is limitless. I think it's going back to what I said earlier. What business are you in? What's your vision? What's your mission? What's your purpose? What are you trying to achieve as a brand? And then layering down what's the right operating model to deliver that via customer service. A lot of the brands that I've worked for w- within certain marketplaces or you know, the luxury fashion industry, there is an element of handholding. There is an element of advice, you know, having a conversation. And so in that type of environment, As an example, the operating model would be heavily leaning towards advisors and then technology helping them do a great job. And so I don't know the split because it would be different everywhere, but even if you went with an 80-20 split so that you could provide the right tools to the advisors so that it's all at hand and they're not having to go away to look for it. And also you provide the right tools to your customers and give them the opportunity to self-serve if they want to. I'm not a great fan of forcing self-service, i.e. deflection and putting loads of technology in front of customers. But if you put the right kind of technology in front of both customers and advisors to enhance the conversation, that's probably what I enjoy. That's where I like being. And I think that gives you the right mix of customer experience versus customer transaction kind of building on that on that point you know when you think about you know how to deliver customer success in a business you know, you've mentioned self-service you've mentioned empowering agents you know what would be kind of the overarching theme or strategies that that you would kind of ultimately bring that whole piece together so we've already discussed you know, putting the right people in to the right place with the right tools around them 
I think the next part of that journey would be to make sure that that information you're getting from customers during those conversations with advisors, you surface that and you push that back into the business and you push it far and wide, you push it further up, you push it further down, left and right. Go to every department and help them understand what customers are saying, be that the impact of a campaign that has happened within marketing. If we have customer feedback, let's share it with them. Be that if we spot that there is a problem somewhere, whether that is in part of the journey online and a customer's getting stuck and is unable to complete a transaction, how do we take that and fix that faster? So how do we share information quickly? But also in some cases, how do we package up the information and not necessarily share it quickly, but share it in the right way, in the right format? You know, sharing a tweet, for example, versus sharing a table with lots of numbers in it. Know your audience and help your other teams and departments within the business benefit from the information that you've gleaned in those conversations that you're having. Okay. You mentioned kind of all the key ingredients of a successful strategy. You know, in your experience, what are the things that typically get in the way? Uh, the day-to-day operation gets... <laughs> there is an element of hamster wheel. So depending on how successful your business is or how fragmented your journey is, you might end up with a lot of customer contact. And so therefore you end up playing a unit game where you're trying to get to these calls and contacts quickly and you're trying to do it in a good way. And so the day-to-day running of the contact center means that sometimes you don't necessarily have the right time to do the other bits I said. So, you know, running a contact center versus improving it versus surfacing information. These are different tasks. So making sure you've got the right people working across these different areas is important. Making sure that from a branding perspective, your business understands the value of your contact center. So if we think typically from a profit and loss point of view, you want to be in that P column rather than the L column as a contact center. You want to be a value center, not a cost center, a profit center. And so other than all the buzzword bingo that I'm throwing at you at the minute, what I'm trying to say is, are you branding your contact center correctly within your business so that you've got the time to also improve it and surface information, not just get caught up in the day-to-day? And in your experience, you know, working at the kind of amazing organizations that you've worked of, you know, when you come in, when you're, you know, you're in an organization and you're facing this challenge of balancing day-to-day with ultimately kind of delivering an overarching strategy, you know, what do you do when you're faced with, with, the, with not enough time in a day and too many things to do? I try and surround myself with the best possible people, people who blow my mind every day and try and give them the space and the environment to deliver their day job. And that's usually something that requires protection. As a leader, I have access to remove roadblocks and barriers. And I know other leaders who can do that too. And so my role as a leader is always to try and figure out what's the hold up, what's the block, and make sure I remove it. Now, sometimes things happen, you know, over the last couple of years, COVID is a good example of that. Uh, That happened to everybody, and we all had to react to that. And so are there times where you can't always do all the good, great, and nice stuff? Yes. But it's always making sure that once you've put out the fire, so to speak, that as a leader, you then refocus and again say, right. Let's get back to what it is we're trying to do here and not just pick the difficult stuff or the stuff that is front, center, and present. 
So by all means, like you said, sometimes we have to all focus, but then remembering when to stop and sort of spread our wings a bit again. Yeah, I think that will really resonate as well with a lot of my six leaders out there who faced a difficult two or three years with COVID suddenly blowing things up. And now we're entering another challenging time where for a lot of brands out there, you know, margins are being squeezed and people are being squeezed. You know, Shan, looking ahead, maybe, you know, for the next 12, 12, 24 months, you know, what would you predict as kind of the, the major things that you'll be looking to accomplish, you know, in your job? Yeah, I'd like to still ride the wave of the speedy decision-making that came through via COVID. Almost no positives came out of COVID. However, I did see an increase in the speed of decisions being made across different businesses who were trying to adapt and react and respond to the changing environment. So moving into the point that you've made now around what's coming up over the next 12 to 24 months, Whilst it's not necessarily COVID, cost of living is an example. There are other things happening out in the wider economy globally also. These are all just different challenges. But if we can ride the same wave of making quick decisions, testing and learning, uh, which in some cases will be the introduction of some technology, you know, how can you pick off some of your repetitive contacts that are not great value having an advisor sit there and deal with? not just for the advisor, but also for the customers having to wait to speak to somebody. Are there a few things that you can do to automate and solve? So I think for me, over the next 12 to 24 months, looking back at all of those journeys to see how they've changed and looking at whether some of those can benefit from the, the sort of three-step approach that I take is, can I eliminate the contacts altogether? Is there a root cause that I can fix? Can I reduce that contact if I can't eliminate it? Um, or number three, can I automate it? So I like to take that three-step approach. I think that's what I'll be doing more of over the next 12 to 24 months, regardless of whatever the crisis is, whether it's cost of living and or something new that is no doubt sure to appear in the next number of months. No, that's really, really interesting. And I guess hearing for a lot of, lot of leaders right now, Maybe even even looking further afield, you know, what, what would you hope the, the future holds for Sham? I don't know. That's a really good question. And it's one that I probably would like to have practiced. I guess for me, I've always taken whatever the business mission and vision is and then tried to translate that down into customer service and how we can deliver that. And I think for me, my future would be how to influence and impact the vision and mission rather than take what's already there and translate it. How can I drive that? Be that through my work on the diversity board, be that through the wider industry of customer service as an industry. It's a global industry. There are contact centers all around the world. And typically, as I say, we're, we're operating mostly at the end of the funnel in terms of a customer journey. But how could we go to the front and drive businesses forward? Are there new ways that we can help customers discover products and experiences and services? So I think for me, in the future, it will be how can we reposition a business through customer service and how can we impact vision and mission rather than just receive it? No, I love that. And I think, you know, this is CX in general is becoming such a critical area um, when it comes to business success that, you know, over the next few years, it's going to be such an exciting industry to be part of. Sham, a couple of final questions that, that we love to ask everyone who comes on. I, you know, if you had to pick out, you know, one brand that you admire, 
maybe outside of the ones that you've worked with with or, or for before, you know, what would you say it would be and why? Depending on when I'm asked this question, I often change the answer. So that's good news because that means there's a lot of brands out there that I admire and they're doing great things. The one that's playing on my mind right now is Pure Gym. So there's a Pure Gym that's opened up less than five minutes away from my home. It's been amazing for me. I'm now able to go to the gym more often. I'm able to get a workout in, which I find is great for mental health, well-being, stress, and just all of the above that sort of connect to that. So Pure Gym, I think, do it really well. It's no thrills, but it ticks all the right boxes for me. It's a great brand, great price point. And it's not a case of you get what you pay for. I think you get more. And so Pure Gym is the brand of. That's really interesting because on the last two that I remember, we had GoDaddy, we had Nike, and now Pure Gym. So three, three very, very different brands from from different industries. And, and Sham, last question, <laughs> kind of for you know people that are starting their career and they're thinking about kind of going ahead, thinking about customer experience could be the career for them. You know, what would you, advice would you give them as they look to develop in this field? My advice for anybody that's looking to develop in customer, but even if you go outside of that and pick any old sort of skill set, let's even say marketing as an example, I would encourage people to get the most amount of breadth of experience that they can. So for me, in my mind, gone are the days of working for one brand or business for 10, 20 years and becoming incredibly specialist in one area. I would say if you could, work for as many brands as you can across many different divisions and sectors to get that that breadth of experience in and worry about specializing later. So go in open as much as you can in the early part of your career. And then later on, if you want to become a marketing specialist or a CX specialist, do that later. That would be my advice. Well, Shan, it's, it's been amazing you having you on. I think, you know, if I summarize three points, and there's been so many points here that have been really interesting, I think you know, we've really learned a lot about, you know, how to hire and create uh, an amazing career for a customer service agent, how to really develop a strategy by surrounding yourself with the best people and looking ahead, you know, ultimately, how do you reduce contact, which is, which is such a critical element going into kind of the world that we're in today. So again, Shan, thank you so much. It's been great having you on. Hopefully we can have you again soon. Thank you, Chris. Look forward to the next one. Thank you, Shan. The e-commerce customer experience podcast is brought to you by Digital Genius. Digital Genius uses cutting-edge AI technology to streamline response times for support tickets. The platform allows for flexible integration into existing systems and control over your processes, while significantly improving key performance metrics. To find out more about Digital Genius and how our intuitive platform combines AI, integrations and workflows to make your customers, team and mailbox happy, head to digitalgenius.com. Also, make sure to search for e-commerce customer experience in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Digital Genius, thank you for listening.